Well, welcome. I am Douglas Peak, and I just want to personally invite all of you, uh, whether you're on campus right now or whether you're watching online or doing church at home, to be a part of our community of faith. Now, over the last year, you may have moved to uh, Idaho, and we want to say welcome. This is an awesome state. We're glad you're here. If you'd like to get to know more about our church and who we are as a community of faith, you can just scan this QR code right here. And we have some videos and some things on there that uh, they're delivered right to your phone. The beauty of this by scanning is that uh, it's completely anonymous, so you don't have to sign up for anything. It just goes right to you. This QR code is also on the back uh, the chairs uh, in front of you, unless you're in the balcony. I'm not quite sure how that works out. So also just to let you know that uh, if you are interested in being baptized, you can learn uh, more about baptism on the last Sunday of each month. It will be the 30th of this month. We have a little uh, Believers of Baptism meeting. It's about 10 minutes long in the chapel if you have questions about it. And then the first Sunday of every month is Baptism Sunday. And if you have questions or you just want to know stuff, you can also scan that QR code, uh, FH Baptism. And it kind of has some teaching on it as well. It's part of our digital discipleship uh, program ministry that we are rolling out in 2022. Now, 2022 is here and putting 2021 to bed. Good riddance. Uh, we got to experience something very exciting to finish 2021. That is, we had a Christ's birthday offering. We do this every year, and it goes to just particular ministry. We set a goal for $300,000. And People, through their generosity, I want to say thank you, gave $305,000. That's pretty amazing. So way to go, Foothills, and all of you who gave uh, through online means. You guys are awesome. Now, we finished, as a community of faith, strong. But not everybody feels that way about 2021. They think 2021 is a disaster, and so I thought a couple of memes that reflect how people feel. Memes are always fun, right? So here's one. What's life without a SpongeBob meme? You know, it says, hey, you want to see a terrible year? He goes, yeah, you want to see it happen again? 2021. Yeah, this one is from the Titanic. Okay, I like this one. And that is in March in 2020. Everybody was so young. This is what we felt like in March of 2021, right? And it's just gone downhill since then. So, and Joey from Friends, the smartest guy who ever lived, um, the moment you realize 2022 is pronounced 2022, <laughs> like we have to do it again? No. So the reason I bring this up is because in our society, people had a really bad 2022. 21, they want it to go. And the collective vibe of the society in which you live has an effect on you. It really does. You know, over half of Americans say that 2021 was the worst year of their lives. The highest group is the millennials. 66% of millennials say 21 was the worst year of their lives. Uh, Boston University uh, School of Public Health uh, said that depression rates since the pandemic began 18, 19 months ago has tripled. It's up to 33% now of Americans are clinically 
depressed. They say that's absolutely staggering. Harvard did a little survey and they found that 65% of 18 to 25 year olds are isolated and experience severe loneliness in 2021. This is the highest it's ever been. Somebody once said, Americans are the most lonely people in the world. The collective vibe has an effect on us. So I have a challenge, and this challenge is based on our theme for the year, which Pastor Harv introduced in the first two Sundays of 2022, and that is the good life. We want you to experience every good and perfect thing that our Father above has for us, to walk in the good life. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it to the full. So we want to dig into what that really means. And so I have a challenge, right? And that challenge is to get back on track. Get back to where you once belonged, Jojo. Let me get that one. Okay. It's just basically we belong somewhere as people who have been redeemed by Christ and adopted into the family of God, then we belong somewhere, correct? And so we need to get back to where we actually belong, our true identity in Christ. Now, my challenge is not to go to a pre-COVID mindset at all. Uh, My challenge, though, is that you can see your life with the same optimism, the same courage and strength that you did before COVID came along and stole so much of this from people in our society. And I don't want you to be influenced by the wind of the age. So we have basically two choices in life. When things get really bad or they go really bad, we, when you boil it all down and you think about it, you have two choices. You can navigate them in order to overcome them or you navigate them in order to survive them, right? So now how this works is when you first get hit with something in life, a lot of times, something bad happens, there's a big change, then what we do is we usually navigate to survive because there's so much new stuff going on and we don't really understand every implication and what it means. It's all new and you're trying to figure it out. Now you do that for two days or two weeks or even two months. But the problem is, is if you do it for two years, then you get stuck in what is known as status quo living. You're not navigating what's going on to overcome. You're just navigating to survive. And here's the very important principle. Status quo living weakens. It never strengthens. Status quo living weakens. It never strengthens. So, What we're going to do to start this year off right is we want to help you develop a personal spiritual growth plan, something for you based on how you're wired, where you're at and your level of maturity. And we believe that by having your own personal spiritual growth plan, you can navigate, right, to overcome, not navigate to survive. Now, the first step in developing your own personal spiritual growth plan. The first step in getting back on track is by studying the book of James. So that's what we're going to do. 
Now, a couple of things that I'd like you to understand. Number one is that whenever we do a book study here at Foothills, is I ask people that in your time with God, that you read the book of James. It's only five chapters long and that you read it as much as possible. You can read it in 15 minutes or less, okay? Now, if you're from Evelyn Wood, you can do it in three and a half minutes. That's another kind of joke I'm sure that dates me a little bit. People are like, anybody under 30 is going, who's Evelyn Wood? Who is that? Who is that? Um, so what's happening is just read it. Because what happens is you'll read it and you'll kind of say, what's he talking about? And then about the fifth or sixth time, okay, I get the major themes. And then you get the more specific themes and then you get the nuance. So over the course of this five or six weeks, uh, when you're developing your own spiritual growth plan, is that I want you to read the book of James. Now, it was one of the first books written in the New Testament library of books. There's 27 different books in the New Testament. It's like a library. And this is one of the earliest books written. It's written by the half-brother of Jesus. Okay, now what a testimony that Jesus is who he said he is. It's one thing, right, to stand up and say, I'm the Messiah, the kingdom of God is at hand. As a matter of fact, James and his other brothers visited Jesus once when he was still alive and said, you need to come home. You're acting a little bit like a crazy person. All right. But then he dies on the cross and then he's resurrected from, from the dead and his brother James sees that. And so G James becomes a follower of Jesus after his resurrection. And then he becomes a leader in the church in Jerusalem. Many people think he's the lead pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And he writes the book of James as a letter to the whole church. It's highly practical, filled with practical steps. And that's why studying James is so effective in developing your own personal spiritual growth plan. So we're going to dig into that a little bit. And what I want to do is kind of do an introduction today to kind of launch us off. And there's an underlying premise throughout the entire book of James. It's kind of assumed, but everything that's taught is based on this premise and the premise is community. And so in order to really dig into it, I wanted to bring out our resident expert on community, and that is Dana Mitchell. So I'd like to introduce you to Dana Mitchell. She is the director of our adult ministries, and she has a great story. Give it up for Dana. She came to Christ over 20 years ago here at Foothills. Uh, she worked for us uh, in the front office for a little bit. Then she went to BSU, graduated with her bachelor's. And then she went to Kilns College, gradu graduated with her master's. And now she came back on staff and she's been head of our adult ministries, small groups and discipleship for how long? Eight years. Eight years. There you go. So, uh, I think we ought to dig into this real quick. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them up. Their verses are going to be up on the screen. I'm just going to do kind of a quick introduction real quick about why community is such an important part of the book of James. And it begins here in verse uh, chapter 1, beginning with verse 27. And this is what it says. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So he's saying that one of the first parts of real faith is that we care for one another, particularly widows and orphans, and we help each other stay 
away from being polluted by the world. Then if you flip over to chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it says the following. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? And so he's saying that one of the things that we are to do is try to help each other with our basic needs. If you look at chapter 3, verse 18, it says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemaking is about community, right? It's about people being at peace with one another. If you flip over to chapter 5, this is the last chapter of the book, beginning with verse 14, it says the following, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So what he's saying here is that if you're sick or we're not doing well, then it is our community of faith that brings about healing, spiritual healing, physical healing in our own lives. And then he ends the entire book in verses 19 through 20 with the following words. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. So based on this, you see that teaching throughout James is all built on community, right? So uh, in your experience, what have you gleaned as a, a ministry leader, leader concerning the importance of community in a person's life? Well, first, I have to say thank you for allowing me to invite myself up here today. When I knew what you were talking about, I'm like, mm, I have a thing or two I'd like to share. <laughs> Something I want to say. <laughs> but you've been my pastor for a really long time, so that you know just how much this faith community has impacted mm -hmm. my faith, and so that's why I'm so, I'm just really passionate about it. But um, Community is God's plan A for your life. We see it in the creation story in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our, in our likeness. So that's like the first snapshot of the Trinity in the Bible, the, that sort of you know, micro-community right there. Mm -hmm. And then again, it says that in verse 27, it says, In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So all of us, were create, males and females, were created to be in community in the image of God. Mm. And then in chapter two, it shows how man left alone is not good. We've all heard this joke probably from you several times that God created all these things, this beautiful garden. He put Adam in it. He saw him alone, left to his own devices and nature and was like, this is not good. So it's pretty clear that God's plan A for you, for your life is to be in community. We also mm -hmm. see it in one of the most significant moments in the life of Jesus. Mm. I lost my mom to cancer 16 years ago. And when she was given her prognosis, she had three months to live at mm. that point. And I, I still wonder and think about what she must have been thinking about in those times. I don't know. But you probably do because you were the one to come <laughs> over and read the Bible to her all the time mm. while she mm -hmm. was sick, which was great. That's the kind of pastor we have, y'all. Um, but it was, I didn't know what she was thinking, but the words that she said at the end of her life were the most impactful words she ever spoke. Mm. And so that's what we see here. Um, in John 17. In John 17. Yeah. So in verse 11, it says, these are his parting words to his disciples and to us. 
In verse 11, it says, protect them by the power of your name so they would be unified just as we are unified. He prayed the world would know that we are his followers by our love for one another. Mm. And then in verse 23, it says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So he's praying, Father, let them have what we have. Let them have the same level of closeness that we do. Mm. And why did he want this? So that the world would know that we belong to him. So if the integrity of the gospel is wrapped up in how you and I love each other, then yes, community is definitely God's plan Mm. A for your life. Mm -hmm. Community helps grow your faith. And life is hard. (laughs) We can all agree on that. This Mm -hmm. has been one of the hardest years. And I hate to be the one to break it to you, but it's going to get harder. It's not going to get easier. (laughs) And we have to have a strong faith because a strong faith is the only thing that's going to sustain you when the world is trying to blow you back and forth. Mm, Yeah, and I think that that's really significant. You know, we see it in the creation. We see it in the words of Christ. We see it in the lives of the disciples that we grow during difficult times if we're in community. But if we're not in community, you know, it can really be detrimental. And so that's why when we are redeemed by the blood of Christ, we are born again or we're saved, we're made new, then what happens is we are placed in his church, right? His body. And that is a community. And in very early on in the Jerusalem church, where the day of Pentecost, that's where the church started, was in Jerusalem. And here James writes one of the very first letters to the church. And guess how he starts off the entire book? I mean, the second verse of chapter one says, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Wow. He said it then 2,000 years ago, and now we are challenged to do the same thing, and that is to see the suffering and the testing of our faith is an opportunity to produce perseverance. So what has your research shown? Since you're so involved in community, I know you've been tracking this, you read the data, you read the surveys, you read all the study and books about it. What has your research shown on how the pandemic and the disruption in our economy and the closing of schools and the isolating of people has had on families and individuals? Well, we had a loneliness epidemic before the pandemic even started and COVID just poured fire or poured gasoline on the fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cigna conducted a loneliness study that said three out of five adults are lonely, which is up 7% from when they did the study in 2018. So we've been living in crisis with isolation already an issue. And it just, it's, it makes us sick. Isolation makes us sick mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Mm. It lowers our immune system. It increases depression, fear, anxiety. It creates emotional chaos. Um, and it actually leads to a fear of intimacy. Mm. But worst of all, it makes us more susceptible to the enemy because his most effective weapon is isolation. Sheep are rarely attacked when they're in the herd. It's when they're off and alone, or the flock rather, they're often alone that they're more vulnerable. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, Mm. seeking someone to devour. Mm. 
So community is God's gift to help us overcome all of these negative things. That's why it's his plan A for your life. Mm. And the only thing that's going to change all of this is the gospel. And there's a whole lot of one anothering in the gospel. Mm -hmm. The local church is the hope of the world. It's the place where people, this is the place where people can come together. We have Democrats and Republicans right now together. In and this independence. Room. And independence in this room. We have pro-vaccine and no thank you vaccine all together right now in this room. And they're out and they're in community, in smaller communities, in small groups together. And they love each other and they care for each other. Mm -hmm. That's the power of the church. Mm. And our friends and our family, they bring stability to our life and they give us protection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... When we're isolated, and we've been at a steady state right now. We've been at a steady state of chaos. And our systems, our central nervous systems and our brains are not equipped to handle mm -hmm. this level of chaos. And so we get caught up in our own heads. Everybody, this has impacted everybody in, in different ways. But we've all had these, this steady state of chaos that's messing with our minds, basically. And you get caught up in your own thoughts, you know? You can't see the person in front of you. I can see my husband in front of me, but do I really see him? Am I really seeing his heart? Are we really connecting at a soul level? It's really hard when you're stuck in your own circumstances and you can't see past it. The best cure for this, the best cure, the best reset to do, the best way to fight against depression and fear and anxiety and isolation is to do something for someone else. Mm -hmm. So I have a really mm -hmm. easy assignment for everyone to do. I bet half of the people in this room have a new neighbor. Chances are they're from California. Mm -hmm. So what I want you to do, because this is the neighborly thing to do, I want you to write a list of five of your favorite places or things to do in Boise. Mm -hmm. And I want you to bake a batch of vegan cookies, and I want you to take it to your California <laughs> neighbor. <laughs> I can say that because even though I'm a Boise native, three generations, I did do 10 years in Southern California, so I can make the joke. So you did your time. I did. I did. <laughs> But this is how the church was designed to be. We were designed to be a community that mm. cares for each other. And it's an essential part of our faith, but it's an essential part of the history of the church. In the first 300 years, it was illegal for us to meet together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of the resilience of this place. That's the reason that the local church is the hope of the world. Because every time someone or something comes and tries to stop it, that's when we flourish. That's when we grow the fastest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... March of 2020, mm -hmm. the governor announced that he was shutting everything down. And I got really scared. I was pretty scared because we are small business owners in one of the hardest hit industries. My girls were not in school. My mother-in-law had just moved in with us. Don't worry, ladies. She's cool. When you say that to women, they get, oh, what? What did you say? She is. She's really sweet and lovely. But she's in a vulnerable population. She's a vulnerable population. Plus, yeah. I've had asthma my whole life, so I was, I was terrified. I thought I would surely die. Um, and then not to mention what was going to happen with the church. What were we going to do? Yeah. How were we going to navigate this? So Pastor Doug calls a meeting. All the staffers come. And he was like, we're not closing the church. You can't close the church. The church is in the building. We're not going to be part of the problem. We put all these things in place. We have some sort of crazy filtration system in here. Yeah. I don't know. People were here. Ionizers. Sure. Yep. Sanitizer masks. I mean, we got pallets and pallets of masks. And you can get baptized in hand sanitizer if you like. Oh, for no. sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but when he said this, I was like, you're crazy. I'm pretty sure, like it said, I said it out loud in yes. the meeting in front of all the staff and elders. Numerous times. Right. 
But it was that clarity of vision that like, no, we know who we are. We know our identity. We know our purpose. We don't back down. We move forward. And that clarity, that vision, that forward thinking helped me go from fear to faith very quickly. Mm. And then I started asking the questions of what could I do? Well, I can mobilize community. So we rallied with our small group leaders. We have the best small group leaders in this church. They're fantastic. They love their people so well. And that's exactly what they did. They called, they checked on one another. They found creative ways to meet together. Some Mm -hmm. did Zoom, some did hybrid. But they just really, what they did was create a structure where 600 people in the church were being taken care of, which freed the rest of us up to be able to focus and deploy other volunteers to care for the people who were on the fringes. So Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. pretty, that was pretty amazing that anyone who was in a small group didn't go through COVID alone. Mm. Oh, that's important. Say that again. Hear me on this. Name that pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> no one who was in a small group went through COVID alone. And then I had to do the thing that I hate to do the very most ever in the history of evers. I had to say you were right and I was wrong. <sighs> <laughs> and we have it on Dave. I'm so happy. No. (laughs) Well, one of the things I think is really important that you're talking about and just the value of the church and how this helps all of us, you know, this move from fear to faith uh, as quickly as possible. Everybody gets afraid. We do all the time, right? I mean, new things always crop up. Fear is a real thing. Uh, The issue isn't Am I afraid? The issue is, well, I'm going to be afraid. It's not if, it's when, right? The question is, is how do I go from there to faith as quickly as possible? That's why you need a spiritual growth plan because you move more quickly from A to B when you, your faith is strong. You know what you believe and why you believe it. You, have, you understand the strength of your convictions. Like you said earlier, when you know your identity, it brings a clarity of vision in any and all situations. These things are really, really important. That's why we want to help you develop your plan for yourself so that throughout the whole year, you can gauge your own progress. You can see how you're doing. You can also set new goals and you can uh, have new disciplines. And so we're going to be studying how to do this by going through the book of James because the place to develop your spiritual plan for your life is the Bible. You know, you don't get it from a magazine. You don't get it from a song. Study the Word. Study the New Testament, what the first century church did right up front. And so as we are helping you do that, Dana and her department of ministry is trying to roll out things to help you develop this plan and help you on your journey as you're executing your plan. So maybe you could talk just a little bit about some of those things. Well, first, it's important to define your terms because spiritual growth can mean a lot of different things to people. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's the process of maturity. It's the process of growing mature in your faith and becoming more like Christ. And I try to assess myself at the beginning of every year about where am I going? How how am I spiritually? How am I measuring up compared to last year? So I've come up with this formula, this question that I ask myself. It's pretty prophetic. I just say, am I less of a jerk than I was last year? (laughs) If I'm like five degrees less of a jerk than I was this time last year, then I'm like, okay. I'm growing in the the right direction. 
But we grow in maturity in two basic ways. We grow in maturity in our private relationship with the Lord. It's the things that we do just between him and us. That's uh, prayer and yeah. reading the Bible and tithing. Those are our things that are just between us and God. Those mm-hmm. grow our faith. And then secondly, we grow in community. We grow by being here together. We grow uh, through corporate worship and coming together for the preaching and the hearing of the word. And we grow together in small groups. You'll hear us say this a lot. We learn best in rows, but we grow best in circles. And so that's why we want everyone to be in a group. That's Mm -hmm. our goal for everyone is to be in a small group. Yeah. So if you're not in one, let me tell you how you can start that journey. You can go to foothills.org slash groups, and there's a list of all the open groups there. Mm -hmm. If you don't see something there that you like, there's a link that you can start your own group. Plus we are, oh, and if you try one and it doesn't work well, then we encourage you to just try again. Sometimes you go and you just don't gel. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with them. It's just certain people gel with certain people. And so sometimes you have to try a couple times before you find your people. Yeah, I have a trick to find groups that I gel well with. And that is I call ahead and I ask them, what kind of snacks are you offering? (laughs) It may sound shallow, but you can learn a lot from people based on the snacks that they offer. Just saying. There is nothing better than a summertime after church small group barbecue. That's just, that's a good life right there. But we're also always starting new groups. So next month we're launching a whole bunch of starting point groups. These will be in neighborhoods in the valley. And these groups are designed to help people answer the basic questions of faith. Because, I mean, like we've been talking about this whole time, people are desperate for Mm -hmm. hope and something to hold on to. So they're curious and more open now than ever. So this is a great time to open up your home or open up your community center in your neighborhood and invite your neighbors and people that are in your life who are seeking and looking for those faith questions. It's really easy to do. It's uh, the curriculum is uh, digital. So you just show a little uh, video and then there's discussion questions and then they can get a a digital copy of a book and either on their phone or an iPad or whatever. And they, you kind of go through it. It tries to answer the basic questions of faith. We did a couple beta groups last fall and they went really, really well. And so Uh, What people did in the beta groups is they went to the Facebook page for their neighborhood and they just posted on there, hey, we're going to do this. If you have questions about God, no obligation, just come over to our house. It's only seven weeks long. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to know everything. You just have to be able to make good snacks. (laughs) And people will come and you get to know your neighbors and it just helped them answer their questions. And so these have been really, really effective. And right now people are more open to the gospel. They are searching for real answers. Because the one thing horrible the pandemic has been is it has shown people that their, 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 uh, their depth of faith and the strength of the faith that they thought they had is just not there and it's not sufficient. You need faith. It needs to be a real world faith that has been tested by fire, sharpened on the anvil of life and can stand the test of time. And when you really get that kind of faith in your life, you move from fear to faith real quickly in any situation. Very well. Very good. I do this for a living. (laughs) 
So <laughs> I want to challenge you guys to pray about hosting a, hosting a starting point group in your yeah. neighborhood. It's really easy. It's seven weeks long. You can do anything for seven weeks. Um, we've made it easy for you. Uh, if you pray about it and the Lord leads you, you can go to our registration page, which is mm-hmm. foothills.org slash events. Let me give you a little insider tip. Foothills.org slash events is the best way to know what's going on at the church because all the other places that we put information, we pull from, from there. From so that page. Make that your, make that your friend. Um, you can go to the foothills.org slash events page and you can register there. Say, yes, I'm interested. Let us know what neighborhood you're in and then I'll send you all the stuff that you need to get yeah. going. And, and you might just want to get some information about it before you decide. Yeah. That's how you do it. So if you do register, you're not obligated to right. follow you through. You can just go there. There's a, yeah. a learn more link that you can click and that'll walk you through a couple videos so you get kind of the flavor of what, what the group's right. like. Mm-hmm. What else have we got going on? The second thing that's really exciting is our digital discipleship platform. This is a brand new technology that we've been rolling out. And what it's really meant to do is help you in those private disciplines. So we've curated some spiritual growth material for you. We're constantly adding to it. We're refining those details. We're refining the technology. Um, But those are going to help you um, take steps to grow. There will be Bible studies and and prayer prompts and different things like that to yeah. help. How you. to read and understand the Bible, yeah. what is baptism, how to pray, how to meditate in your faith, uh, how to have a quiet time. And how, I mean, these are, they're just going to get more and more things. They're developed, they're, they're dripped to your phone so you can do it whenever you have your quiet time with God. So you can, you can sit, you can drip it and look at it in the early morning, over lunch, during a commute, maybe uh, in the evening, whenever it fits with your schedule and you'll get the most out of it. And you can cut, you go at your own pace. And so it, we're really excited about its potential. It's really effective because we have between 700 and a thousand people that join us every Sunday online. So if you're watching online or doing church at home, this can really help you in the one half of spiritual growth, personal growth, community growth. They work in tandem. You're going to hear more about the digital discipleship planning uh, platform Mm -hmm. in the next few weeks. So I'm just going to conclude by sharing that um, I became a believer here. I met Jesus. I found Jesus here in this church 24 years ago. And it wasn't until I joined a small group that I really started to grow in my faith. Our first lady, Kim Peek, invited me to a Let Prayer Change Your Life group. Mm-hmm. And that it, it did. It changed everything for me. That's where I learned how to pray. That's where I learned how to journal my prayers. And that is a practice that has sustained me through all the ups and downs of life in the last 24 years. Did so. you write in your prayer journal, my pastor is crazy? Are you talking about like one or, I mean, I have (laughs) hundreds of journals. (laughs) Just curious. So maybe this is time for you to start your journey. I'm happy to help you with that. I'm happy to help you take next steps. I'm always available out in the atrium between services. Mm -hmm. You can email, call me, text me. All my information is on the, on the website. So. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dana. Thank you for sharing with the church what you're trying to do and the leadership that you're giving to help people grow in their faith. And we, we just really believe that, you know, Foothills is a little bit of a different type of church. Our, our goal isn't to be the most popular church. Uh, our goal isn't to be the most cool church. 
Uh, our goal isn't to be the most serious and dour church. Our goal is to be a New Testament church. And what we want you is to help you. It's your faith. It's your journey. And so we, we don't like telling people what to think. We want them to think for themselves. That means we want you to develop your own convictions based on what the Bible teaches specifically. You know how to do it. You know how to find it. You know where to go. And because of all of that, you know that regardless of the storm that you will face in life, you will stand firm. And that's, that's an incredible thing, a confidence that most people in our world don't have anymore. It's courage so that when things get really crazy out there, you go, eh, that just don't sound right. No, we're not going down that path. And, and you're, you're not, you don't succumb to the winds of the age or the doctrinal things that just blow people back and forth. You're a person of strength. You are a person of conviction. And that makes you a person of courage. And what we need today in this world is we need people with a courageous faith. And that's our hope and our dream for you as Foothills Christian Church. Let's let the host take us out.